have your Bibles with you, you might want to turn with me to Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8. And uh, as Victor has already said, this morning we're going to conclude our series in uh, Your Helper, the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful theme that we've been sharing together over these last few weeks. And uh, this morning I want to speak about a very, very important part of the Holy Spirit's ministry, which the Bible refers to as walking in the Spirit. The Christian life is a life of walking in the Spirit. In fact, probably in reference to the Holy Spirit, this theme is mentioned more than anything else about the Holy Spirit, is that the Christian life is a life of walking in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean and, and how do we do that? Because what we're going to discover as we look together at maybe 13 or so verses, and we'll, we'll go through it in like, a, like an exposition briefly as we uh, go through this passage. What we're going to learn is that God has not only saved us from the penalty of sin, but also he's delivered us from the power of sin so that we can actually live a life of holiness here on earth. And uh, I've just summarized these verses in three points that I want to share with you. The three keys to walking in the Spirit. And the first one is to know your position. Amen. To know your position in the new creation that you are now seated in Christ. And, and to really know that and to understand that and to allow that truth to to sink into your heart. You know, if you are uh, investing in real estate, they say the three most important words are position, position, position. Is that right? Um, it's better to buy the worst house in the best suburb rather than to buy the best house in the poorest suburb. Because, you know, people fall in love with a home but you can't get emotionally involved if you're investing. You see, because uh, you can always renovate. You can always do it up. If it's a bit of a dump, you can always renovate it and, and uh, you know, give it a facelift and so on. But it's the position that is important. That's what's going to give it the value. Amen? If you want to know any more sort of real estate investing tips, just go to my website www.kensinvestmenttips.com.au That's com with an N. <laughs> but seriously, it's, it's the same in the spiritual life. Don't focus on condition. That's the external things. Christians so often go down because they get so taken up with what's happening in their lives. You may not have had a good week this week. In fact, as far as your week your walk with God is concerned, you might have had a disaster this week. But you know, if you focus on that, you'll go down like you know, the, the, the downward spiral and you'll get into deep trouble. You've got to look at who you are in Christ. That's where your focus and your attention is to be. Um, I don't know if the name Larry Laprise means anything to you, but Larry Laprise was the guy that is um, accredited with the dance song, The Hokey Pokey. You know The Hokey Pokey? Although it's in dispute whether he did write that song. But anyway, he died in 1996 at the age of 84. 
<laughs> and I reckon that the, the funeral was an absolute disaster. Because it all went wrong when they tried to put him in the coffin. They put his left leg in. <laughs> and his leg, <laughs> his left leg come out. In, out, in, out. Now, friends, some Christians are what I call hokey pokey Christians. They, they kind of look at their position on the basis of their condition. So, for example, if they sin, they think somehow they've lost what God gave them at salvation. They're no longer in Christ. Now, if they're no longer in Christ, that means they've gone back into Adam. How can that be possible? How can, the Bible says that we died to who we were in Adam. We were buried with Christ. We were raised to newness of life. We are now in Christ. It is absolutely ridiculous to think that you can just be in Christ one moment and out of Christ the next moment. In Christ is your position. Praise God for that. You know, you ask some Christians how they're going and they say, oh, you know, up and down. Actually, it's not up and down, it's side to side. In Adam, in Christ, in Adam. That's their mentality. And we've got to be clear, friends, in our understanding about our position is that when we were baptized into Christ, we are in Christ and that's it. It's a done deal forever. You can't get out of Christ. You are, you're, you are a member of the body of Christ. So when you sin, does that mean that that member is amputated? How ridiculous. You know, we need to stick with what the Bible says, otherwise we are going to go down. Now, Paul says this in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Not now, not ever. You cannot come under condemnation. In fact, this passage, some people believe this is the greatest chapter in the whole of the Bible because it starts with no condemnation and it ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. And so the fact that there is no condemnation is based upon the way that God deals with our lives. See, God deals with us on the basis of representation. When God looks at you, actually he doesn't look at you. He looks at who is representing you. And there's only one of two people that are representing you today. You are either in Adam, the head of the human race, who sinned and who imputed sin to the human race. So we were born in sin. We were born in condemnation. We were born under judgment. And if you're not in Christ this morning, you are still in that position. But the moment you came into Christ, you, came, you stepped out of condemnation. You stepped into Jesus the righteousness of God. Praise God. And so God now looks at Jesus when he sees you. And he deals with you according to Jesus. You know, this is depicted in the Old Testament. The Old Testament Israelite would bring a lamb to the tabernacle or the temple. And the, from the moment he handed that lamb over to the priest, from that moment... God never looked at the Israelite, did not investigate him, did not kind of um, scrutinize him, but God's focus was on the lamb. Was it a lamb without blemish? That was the question. 
because the lamb represented the person who offered it. And God dealt with the person on the basis of that which represented him. And so that's why it's important to really understand our position. You are righteous because of Jesus. Would you turn with me to chapter 10 for a moment? We'll just go across to chapter 10 and verse 10. It says there, the first part of that verse says this, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. You know, we believe unto righteousness. We don't do unto righteousness. Amen? We don't work unto righteousness. We believe in the Lamb and we are made righteous. Is that, do you understand that? Because, here we go again. Because that is God's way of dealing with you and I. It's position, position, position. Now, let's move on because there's a lot about our position here which we're going to look at. And the next thing that Paul says about our position is this, that we are actually in the realm now of the Spirit. Now, when we are in the realm of the Spirit, we have left the realm of the law. Okay? Let's have a look, chapter 8, verse 2. Paul says this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness or the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. See, when we, when we were baptized into Christ, we left the realm of the law. God wanted us to leave that realm. Why? Because there was something the law could not do for us. And that is it could not fulfill righteousness in us. Not because the law itself was wrong, but because of the weakness of our flesh. It's, it was not a good union. It was not a good marriage. It's like, you know, if you're digging some hard ground and all of a sudden the spade breaks. Now there's nothing wrong with the actual shovel, you know, the actual metal part of the spade, but it's the wooden handle that is weak, you see? And because of the weakness of that, the whole thing is not a good deal. And it's like that in the Christian life. God said it's not good for you to be married to the law. In fact, the law is what aggravated sin in us. You know? So we had to leave the realm of the law. The Bible says the strength of sin is the law. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that God's holy law actually caused us to sin more. Not because there's anything wrong with the law, but because of the weakness of the flesh. Come back with me to chapter 7 for a moment. And verse 5, it says this, that when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Wow. Look at that. Verse 8. He says, but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. You know the story, when you tell somebody not to do something, you actually put in their mind the thought to do that thing. That's the way the law works. That's the, 
the operation of the law. So God said, I've got to get you out of that realm of the law. Now, friends, people that don't understand this, especially legalistic preachers, will get you to go back under the law and, and, and to bring you into bondage to the law. And uh, Paul actually says that that kind of ministry is a ministry of death and a ministry of condemnation. God wants to deliver you from the realm of the law and put you into the realm of the Spirit so that we actually have Jesus living inside us by the Holy Spirit empowering us in a life of righteousness that is apart from the law. Do you understand that? So it's important to understand our position. Now another thing about our position is this, that we are righteous. Now you say, but you just said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying it now for another reason. It's this, that righteousness is the cause of holiness. I say that again. Righteousness produces holiness. We are not, or oh, let's put it this way, holiness is not something you get by doing something. It's actually something you have. You have the Holy One. So holiness is only an outworking of something that is already inside you. That's why Paul says, work out your own salvation because it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know at Christmas time uh, we put little things on the Christmas tree. Why do we do that? Because the Christmas tree is dead. It's either, you know, if it's a real tree it's been cut off or if it's an artificial tree it's just an imitation, it's a counterfeit. So because it's dead it can't produce anything. So we put things on it to make it look nice. Now sometimes it's like that in the Christian life. In fact, we were talking about that in our group uh, in the week there, that so often we fall into this trap in, in Christendom, you know, in the Christian life. Because we, we come along, we're Christians, and we say we're Christians, we want to look like Christians. So we fill our lives up with programs, and uh, causes and we run around doing this and doing this because this is what Christians are supposed to do, right? And it's all works, works, works. It's like the things we're putting on the tree. And God says that God's way of holiness is not like that at all. Holiness is something which is produced as a result of that which is within you. So Paul says this in verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Very important verse, friends. What are the things of the flesh? The things of the flesh are the things that you think you've got to do. The flesh is, what have I got to do? What should I do in this situation? What, what, what does God expect me to do? What does the church expect me to do? And, and so we start thinking about it. It's all up to us. That's setting our minds on the things of the flesh, the to-do list. Amen? What does the Spirit do? What are the things of the Spirit? The Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Spirit gets us to get our minds on what Jesus has done and to focus on that and to, to, to walk in faith 
in God and what he's doing in our lives and let God produce that in a practical way. So it goes on to say in verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Hallelujah. What are we just sing earlier on? I love that song. The, uh, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Do you know what Paul says actually um, before he says that? He says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why did he say that? It's not meat and drink. Because you know what? Often we come down to laws, even that govern what we eat and what we drink. Is that right? In the, I mean, that's what the cults, they end up telling you what you can eat and what, what's acceptable to God and what's not acceptable. They bring you back under all the Old Testament laws and so on and so forth. And it becomes, a, again, just a list of do's and don'ts. Now Paul says, listen, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink or any of these do's and don't things. It's righteousness. Righteousness. Know that you are righteous because of Jesus. Believe under righteousness. And it's joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And then also regarding our position, let's just say one more thing about it. Paul says this, that our position means that right now, right at this present moment, whatever is going on in your life, we are pleasing to God. Isn't that great? Look at verse 8 and verse 9. Paul says, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. See, we when we believed in Jesus, we were taken out of that realm which we call the flesh and we were placed in the Spirit, the life of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And right now, right now, we are pleasing to God. Tomorrow morning, when it always seems to be going wrong, you are still just as much pleasing to God. You remember when Jesus began his ministry? He came to the River Jordan... And there was John baptizing. And Jesus presented himself for baptism, a sinner's baptism. Jesus, uh, John was shocked. He said, you know, why is it that you're coming to me for baptism? I should be baptized by you. This is what Jesus said. He said, let it be so now, because in doing this, we are fulfilling all righteousness. Now, some people really struggle with the law passing away. Jesus said this, I have not come to, uh, I've not come to abolish the law. What did he say? I've not come to, um, say it again. Okay, I'll turn to it in Matthew. I want to get this right so that uh, we can establish this point. He said in chapter 5 and verse 17, do not think that I come to destroy the law, to destroy the law. Okay, he hasn't come to attack it, to launch an assault upon it. But, don't put a full stop there, I have come to fulfill it. Now when it's fulfilled, it's no longer placing any demand upon us. So when Jesus presented himself at the River Jordan, he said, I've come to fulfill all righteousness. 
and he went down into the water. He was buried under the water and he rose again from the water. What he was saying, he was enacting what his ministry would do. One day he would take the sin of the world, the judgment for every broken law, everything the law commanded and demanded, he would take it upon himself. He would fulfill it. He would die. He would go to the cross. The waters of God's judgment would pass over him and he would rise from the dead, the head of a new creation, who are free from the law, free from condemnation, who are righteous. And you know, when he said that, a voice came from heaven and he said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God was so pleased with Jesus, he could not contain himself. The heavens departed and an audible voice from heaven spoke over Jesus. I am well pleased with my beloved son. And friends, you are in this beloved son with whom God is well pleased. Can you understand why position is important? It gets you to get your eyes off yourself. It trains you to start focusing on the one who represents you, who is already pleasing to God. Now, that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The only way we please God is by believing in Jesus. Because when we believe in Jesus, we honour the Father. That's why, actually, just before the writer of the Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God, do you know what he said? He said, by faith, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he received the witness or the testimony that his deeds were righteous. He came and he offered up a lamb which was a picture, a type of Jesus. He did it in obedience. He didn't understand the full significance. Cain tried to set that aside and bring something more impressive, his own works, the fruit of the ground, and offer that up to God. And God rejected him. But, but Abel came and pleased God by giving testimony to the finished work of Jesus. And friends, if you want to please God, keep talking about Jesus. Keep boasting in what Jesus has done for you and what he means to you and that his righteousness is your righteousness and his sacrifice is, has taken away your sins and you are trusting in him for your righteousness. There's nothing that honors God more than that. So, position, position, position. Amen? The first thing then in walking in the, in the Spirit is knowing your position. The second thing is to understand the nature of the Christian life. See, a Christian is different to someone who is not a Christian. What is the difference? Let's look at verse 10. Paul says this, If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now that's our situation. That's the nature of the Christian life. The body is dead. Your body is dead. Not will die, but actually is dead. It carries the seeds of death and decay. 
And the principle of death is already operating in you. As we grow older, that becomes more obvious. But our body's dead. Now, now let, let's just look at what Paul says about that. We'll go to later on in this chapter in verse 22 and 23. We know that one day that's going to change. Let's look at that. Um, it says in verse 22, we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of our body. One day, your body, my body, will be raised to newness of life. It will be as alive as your spirit is. Amen? But right now, it's not. Right now, it's subject to decay, to tiredness, to sickness, to weariness, and ultimately to death. In fact, Paul refers to it as a mortal body. The seed of death is in our bodies. Now, that's the state of our body. In fact, not only physically, but spiritually, our body is dead. What does that mean? Well, sin dwells in the members of your body. Not in your spirit, but in your body. Okay? So, all the time there is this conflict between our spirit and our body. In fact, Paul said this. He said, I keep my body under. Remember that? I discipline my body. Lest after preaching to others my body sort of catches me out, uh, takes me down, tempts me to, to go astray. And so as Christians, there's a civil war going on all the time because he says the body is dead but the spirit is life. Now in my Bible it's actually got a big S, capital S, but it should be the small s because you know, it, it, in, in the original there is no capital or, or lower case. So you've got to, you've got to, you know, it's obviously, it says, our spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. On account of the righteousness of Christ, your spirit is alive, is alive to God. You are born again. And you know what? Sin cannot touch your spirit. Sin cannot corrupt your spirit. That is incorruptible. You are complete, you are perfect, you are whole. Deep down inside, in your spirit, in your inner man, the real you, now the new creation you, is alive unto God, is righteous before God. Okay? But we have this human body that we carry around with us and sin dwells in our members. And so we're exhorted, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Okay, you, you, you know this, this conflict that's going on? The spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Because they both have different agendas. Your body wants you to behave the same way you behaved before you were a Christian. Wants you to do the same things. Tempts you, draws you, because there are passions in the body. Now those passions are not sinful in themselves, like eating and drinking and, and the, 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 the desire for sex. But your body wants you to take them to excess or to take them out of the context for which God designed for you to enjoy those. And so the Bible speaks about inordinate affections, passions which are not proper, which are not appropriate, which we're pursuing, which are sinful. 
And, and so this civil war goes on. The body wants to take you down, but the spirit wants to reproduce the life of Jesus in you and through you. Now, don't get upset about that conflict. In fact, be glad about it because it's only you and I and other fellow Christians that can experience that kind of conflict. That is the Christian life. That is the normal Christian life. It's a daily conflict. Amen? Every day we get up, we're, we're conscious of, of two kinds of uh, um, voices, two pulls, if you like, in two different directions. And, and the Bible says there's no condemnation in that. God wants you to understand this is the nature of the Christian life because the body is dead, but the spirit is life. In fact, let's go back to chapter 7. I want to share something with you here. Paul talks about this kind of struggle that went on in his own life. And he says this in verse 22. He says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. The inward man. I want to do the will of God. In fact, when you got saved, God actually wrote his commandments on your heart, in your spirit. He wrote, wrote them in your inner man. So the real you is that part that wants to do the right thing. That's the real deep part of you. Now what does he say? But, <laughs> I see another law, where? In my members, in the outer part of me. In this temporary part of me that one day is going to fall away and drop back into the ground and return to dust. Okay? Keep it in perspective. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me to captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So the relics or the remains of sin reside in my body. God has dealt with the sin question, friends. He has set us free from the penalty of sin. He has given us victory over the power of sin. One day he will deliver you from the presence of sin. Hallelujah. But right now, sin dwells in your members. And so this conflict is a daily conflict. Okay, how do we walk in victory? The third thing he says is just simply learn to live by the Spirit. Learn to walk in the Spirit. Verse 12. Therefore, that's a, that's a very important word. Therefore, whenever you read the word therefore, you ask, what's it there for? Okay. Here we just learn something very precious, friends. There's two important things when it comes to Christian teaching. Number one, understand first of all the doctrine. Okay. Understand the doctrine. People think, I'm not interested in doctrine. You need to be interested in doctrine because doctrine is the truth about you and about Jesus. Amen. Learn the truth first. But number two, apply that truth. Learn to apply. That truth has an application. See, some people emphasize one thing and some people emphasize another thing. Is that right? Some people, it's all about doctrine. It's all theory and, and theology and uh, you know, getting academic and so on. But hey, there has to come an outworking. Whereas other people, 
They want to be doing, 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 but they're, they're, they're applying wrong things. They haven't learned the truth yet. So we've got to learn the truth. And we've been sharing the truth. The truth is that you are in Christ. The truth is that you've left the realm of the law. The truth is that you are righteous and, and righteous produces, righteousness produces the fruit of holiness. And the truth is that while you're on that journey, you're always pleasing to God because you're in Christ. There is no condemnation. The truth is that, yeah, the relics of sin remain in your body, but you are alive to God. And there's this experience going on. Now we're going to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And it's very simple. <laughs> so, really? <laughs> yes. Therefore, brethren and sisterin, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Okay, so the first thing is this. We don't have to do what our body is telling us to do. We actually have a choice. If ever you get into a belief system whereby you say, I couldn't help it, you're in error. I tell you that now, you're in error. You know, that's a big cop out today, you know. I don't know what happened. This came upon me and then I, then I found myself doing this. Get real, friends. You did it because you had a choice. Okay? When Paul says, do not let sin remain in your body. Uh, sorry, do not let sin reign in your body. He's saying that because we have a choice. Amen? So, first of all, understand this, that we've got a choice now. We have a choice. The spirit is alive. The body's dead. Both are making demands upon us. And he says, you don't have to do anything that sin that is remaining in your body, in your flesh, is telling you to do. And he goes on to say, if you do live according to the flesh, you will die. There are always consequences for sin. That's just the law. That's just the, you know, the, the, the law of the nature of that thing. If we sow to the flesh... We will from the flesh reap what? Destruction, death. But if we sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit we'll reap life. We'll enjoy the blessing, we'll enjoy the fruit and the, uh, and the good things that God intends for us to have in this Christian life. Now, this is what he says. But, halfway through 13, we're finishing up now. Halfway through 13. But, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How do we do that? <laughs> How do we do that? You know, we kind of look at that phrase, if you, by the Spirit, put to death. That's what we've got to do. We've got to kill the flesh. You know, we've got to kill the old man. I hate it when my wife says that. Got to kill the old man. No. <laughs> Seriously. You know, we get in a big works trip and, and, and sanctification becomes another works trip. I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm, you know, I'm warring against the flesh and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and, and I'm going to work on it. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not that complicated. In fact, the more you focus on sin, the more strength you give to it. You know, you, you go to any Christian bookshop today, unfortunately, 
80, 85% of the books you read there are behaviour modification. Ten ways to deal with this problem in your life. And all the things you're doing is, is focusing on the problem. Amen? That's not God's way. What does he mean then? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. Well, let me give you, let me give you an example here. Um, next weekend I'm actually uh, doing a, a marriage seminar, Friday and Saturday, for a church. It's about an hour from here. And when they started talking with me originally about it, we were talking about me also going back on the Sunday night and speaking there on Sunday night. Now since then, of course, we've started in Brisbane. Okay, So they hadn't confirmed to me whether Sunday night was on or not. So I sent them an email and an email. I just said, okay, what do you want to do about Sunday night? Because I, I, you know, I, I made myself available for that. My plans have changed, but you know, I, I would honour that. But you know, they kept saying, oh, we'll get back to you, we'll get back to you. I said, well, I need to know by this weekend. Okay, so in my heart, I wanted to go where we've just started the new group up in Brisbane. And so I hadn't heard from them, so I sent them an email and said, you know, I've uh, decided to take that other ministry option and I won't be available for the Sunday night. Okay, so, so I don't have to now think about that situation because I'm just not available to that. I've made myself available somewhere else. I'm not thinking of 101 ways of how to get out of this situation here. I'm dead to that because I won't be there. I'll be up in Brisbane. Can you see that? Now the Christian life is very simple. Every day we have a choice. This body of ours, which is unredeemed, yes, but is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, we have a choice who we are going to serve with this body. Who we are going to yield this body to. The moment you yield to the Spirit, you are dead to the other option. You can't be two, doing two things at once. Amen? That's why Paul says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And every day that we step out of bed, God has got an exciting life for us. A life in the Spirit. But you know what? I tell you, friends, there's a lot of duplicity that goes on in our minds. There's a lot of double-mindedness and we're not clear as we go through the day whether we're going to uh, walk according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. And that option is always open for us either way. We need to say, this body is available to the Holy Spirit today. If it's available to the Holy Spirit, it's not available to the flesh. Amen? Now that's what Paul teaches. Let's come back to chapter 6. And we'll finish up here. Chapter 6, he says this in verse 13. He says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 16, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. <laughs> Amen? Amen? It's not difficult to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Just make yourself available 
to the Holy Spirit exclusively. And you'll find that your focus on those things that the, the sin is dragging you down to will not even be a problem because you won't be focused on those things. Your life will be full of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. God will be doing wonderful things, miracles, supernatural things. God will be opening up your, your life to opportunities that you've only dreamed of in the past because you're available to the Holy Spirit. You've got no time to get involved with the things of the flesh. Amen? Let's pray together. Let's just bow our heads. I'm going to ask this morning as we close in prayer, as we do each week, if there is anyone here today and you've never left that realm of sin, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never believed on him for salvation, you've never asked him to come and be your saviour. If, if that's true of you today and you want to do that, you want to be saved, you want to be forgiven of your sins and receive eternal life, just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you do a simple thing? Would you just raise your hand, let me know, by the raising of your hand. Just lift it up now and then take it down and I will pray for you. Is there anyone here you'd like to do that? Just lift your hand now. Let me see it and then take it down. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful Christian life that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord God, that we have got a new position. We are now in Christ. And in him there is no condemnation. And in him there is righteousness. And in him we come into the realm of the Spirit. We are pleasing to God 24-7. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we're conscious of the fact that our bodies are not redeemed, constantly trying to make demands upon us and get us to use our lives to serve sin. But Lord, we choose to be available to the Spirit. And by doing that, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. We render the flesh inoperative in our lives. And we choose to serve righteousness under the fruit of holiness. Lord, bless us, I pray, as we walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.